and welcome to the North Decatur Presbyterian Church Sermon Series. We're a PCUSA congregation in Decatur, Georgia. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to ndpc.org or just come by and visit. Here's this week's sermon. It's January, right? And if you've been walking with us all the way since September, you know that every month we begin a new big idea of the Bible, right? So each time the calendar changes, we explore a new idea. And January is the month of wonder. Wonder. What a wonderful word is wonder. What is wonder? When you wonder stuff. Well, that's a a good definition. Wonder is when you experience something that goes right? Like you have an experience of something and it's like, whoa, I don't even know what that thing is, but you can't forget it. So your, your mind and your spirit and your imagination just keep, keep just munching on that thing and you keep turning it over and over and over and over and all of a sudden that thing becomes a part of you. That marvelous experience becomes a part of you. That's wonder. And all of us wonder. And last week we talked about the way that the Magi wondered at the revelation that this baby was going to be some kind of king. And that was the wonder of Epiphany. And this week, the wonder of the Holy Spirit. So, you're very anxious and antsy this morning. It's just energy. It's energy. But I want to ask you to quiet your spirits quiet our spirits, and listen to this story of Jesus' baptism. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was in the wilderness, and he was calling for all people to be baptized and to show that they were changing their hearts and their lives. Everyone in Judea, all of the people from Jerusalem came down to the Jordan River and there at the river there were being baptized by John. John wore clothes. He wore something weird. He wore camel's hair and a leather belt and he ate bugs and he dipped them in wild honey. And he said, John said, there is one who is stronger than I. I'm not even worthy to bend over and untie his sandals. I'm going to baptize you with water, but the one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, just at that time, Jesus came down from Nazareth of Galilee where he lived and John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And while Jesus was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven split open and a dove came down on him. And there was a voice from heaven that said, You are my beloved child. In you I am well pleased. Then at once, that same spirit forced 
Jesus out into the wilderness. Jesus was in that wilderness for 40 days. And there he was tempted. Mm. Oh man, what does that mean? That's conversation for another day. (laughs) But this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was fortunate to be able to spend Monday through Friday of this week in Louisville, Kentucky, where I got together with some other pastors from around the country, and we uh, help each other in a fruitless exercise to try to get better at preaching. And every year, we invite a scholar to be with us, and our scholar this year was someone who is known to some of you. She lingers around these parts. Her name is the Reverend Dr. Anna Carter Florence, and she teaches preaching over uh, at Columbia Seminary. And so for any of you who have known uh, Anna or gotten to know her work, you will know that one of the things that she is always teaching her students when they are trying to crack open the meaning of a biblical text is she will tell them to focus on the verbs, the verbs, exactly. If you want to know what's really happening in any biblical text, focus your attention on the verbs. So I want to ask you today, uh, turn to the text that's printed in your bulletin and focus on verse 10. What is the first verb that belongs to the Holy Spirit in this story? Shout it out. What? It comes what? Comes down, right? That, that's the verb, coming down. The, 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 the word in the Greek is katabino. Uh, the spirit katabinos on Jesus. So while Jesus is coming up, right, the, the heavens split open, uh, just like what happens, the scripture says, at Jesus' crucifixion. And the spirit katabinos on top of Jesus like a dove. So I want you to just um, just put yourself in Jesus' sandals for one second, right? Uh, maybe he took them off. I don't know. He, he's there in the water, and he is coming up out of the water, right? And if we are to believe all those pictures, he has this nice long hair, right? And so he's, he's kind of getting his hair out of his eyes, and he's wiping the water off, and the heavens split open, and then, like, what in the world is that thing? Like, what is that? What is that coming down? And I wondered about this, and so I went on a search online. Dangerous. But let's see what I found. Let, what, do you think it was something like this? Wait for it. And don't mind the chainsaw that comes up here in a second. Wait for it. Where is it? There's the chainsaw, but... And here it is in slow motion. Yeah. What 
do you think that feels like to have that thing come down on you? What does it feel like? What do you, what do you imagine that is like? Are you like, cool? Maybe a little scared? Uh, if anyone ever had something come down on you like this before? Like, some of you are saying yes. Yeah, it's not the most pleasant experience in the world. What? It's like Alfred Hitchcock, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like uh, something is not right here. And so this, this spirit comes down uh, almost like dive bombs Jesus in this sudden and surprising and wild and uncontrollable way. And so I want to ask you, well, what if the same thing happens at every baptism? Right? Because we believe that, right? We believe that every baptism, the same thing happens to you that happens to Jesus. The heavens are torn apart. Uh, the spirit comes down like a wild bird careening out of the sky, and it lands on top of your soul. And a voice says, you are my beloved child. In you I am well pleased. Every single baptism this happens. It happens in yours. It happens in mine. Just the way it happened in Jesus. And I sometimes wonder if we if we don't do baptisms very well at all. I mean, I love what we do up here when, when, we, when we have baptisms. We are often baptizing little ones, right? And um, they squirm and they gurgle and they're totally adorbs, right, in their little outfits. And the parents stand up here awkwardly often and they make these affirmations, they make these promises, and they don't even really know the fullness of those promises, but they mean them, and those are life-giving promises. And we affirm together that this child is a beloved child of God, not just beloved by the parents, not just beloved by the community, but beloved by God. And at every baptism that you witness, I hope you, I hope you hear again those words, the voice of God speaking words that were proclaimed over your own life. Words that matter for the rest of your life. You are my beloved and you I am well pleased. Which one of us does not need to hear those words again and again? When you're a cute little baby and everyone's on their best behavior, you are God's beloved. But then you grow up. And you go through all those awkward years, and life is hard and confusing. And then, even then, you are God's beloved. And then someone yells at you, and you screw things up, and then you are God's beloved. And the moment that you lose something deeply important to you, in that moment, you are still God's beloved. And when you're scared and when you're anxious about the world, you are God's beloved. And the moment that your dream for your life dies, then you are God's beloved. When your life grows short and the shadows grow long, you are God's beloved. That is who you are. Because the Holy Spirit has touched your spirit in your baptism. You are God's beloved, and there is nothing that you ever do to change that. 
That's not where we screw up baptism. We actually get that right, those affirmations. Where we screw it up, I think, has more to do with, uh, with the dive-bombing pigeon. Baptism probably, if we're serious about it, ought to come with some kind of caution label on it. We should have to write something, uh, a release, right, of liability or something like that. We should pass out to each other hard hats and reflective vests and put caution tape around the font. We should review our life insurance policies. Because after your baptism, after the Holy Spirit catabinos on top of you, Not only do you get this new identity, but your life from that point on is joined into the life of God. And that means all kinds of things are going to happen to you whether you like it or not. For one, it means that you're going to die. You're going to die to the power of sin over your own life. It means that your days of just getting along, they are over. It means that you can no longer go along with the powers of this age. Just because everyone else is doing it is no longer a good excuse. It doesn't cut it for a baptized child of God. It means you're a follower of Jesus now. Followers of Jesus, as you know, march to a different drummer. What Jesus says, for example, about money, he says it to you. And and what Jesus says about welcoming uh, uh, the stranger into your life, he says that to you. And what he says about losing your life in order to save your life, those are words meant for you. In baptism, you are joined into God's mission, which is no less than the reconciliation of the world through love. Baptism means that you are to forgive the people who hurt you. It means that when you'd rather choose revenge, you choose mercy. When others are organizing for war, you are walking toward peace. It means that when you have big choices to make, and all of us have big choices, what to do with our work, what people we're going to spend time with, when you have big choices, you are to ask God and do what God says. The other thing it means, which is kind of crazy, and I think we, we just we kind of short sell this a little bit, but it means that you are part of a community from here on out if you're baptized. There is, a, and by the way, look around because it might just be this one, I'm sorry to say. There's no such thing, right, as, as a you anymore after baptism, a you that is independent and self-sufficient. You are now connected to a body, and it means that you belong to that body, and that body belongs to you and this body is a community of real human beings and those people are weird i mean look around they are weird and they are odd and they have not yet learned right from wrong and they may never get it right but that community is now your family they are your people And once your life is joined into the life of God, it means that you are part now of the Pentecostal movement of the Spirit in the world. You will be called to make enemies into allies, strangers into friends. The Spirit will take you to places where you do not want to go, places that you honestly have no right to be in, except that there is some mysterious voice 
pushing you there, and you cannot deny it. Did you read the second verb in the passage? After the Spirit dive-bombs Jesus? Take a look. Take a look at verse 12. What does the Spirit do next? Forces. Forces Jesus. After she dive-bombs Jesus, the Spirit drives him out. The verb is ekbalo. The Spirit ekbalos Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit expels him, almost vomits him out into a place where he will be tempted to become the person he is not supposed to be. The Holy Spirit is not just warm fuzzies and bunnies and rainbows. Life in the Spirit makes you strange. It takes you to dangerous places and makes you do unbelievable things. So much so that, that, to be honest, it might make some of you wonder whether you should have been baptized at all. You or might be having second thoughts. Sorry. There's no going back. There's one thing that the Holy Spirit doesn't do. The Holy Spirit never leaves you. Once the Holy Spirit crashes in on your life and she drives you to do weird things in weird places with weird people, but she never once will leave you. Not ever. She will keep working on your life in you and through you and upon you. And as you read the whole of the scriptures and you start listening and learning all of the Spirit's verbs, you will begin to see a picture of all of the extraordinary ways that this Spirit will act in your life. She guides, regenerates, glorifies and testifies. She reveals and leads you. She sanctifies and empowers you. She fills you. She teaches you to pray. She bears witness and produces fruit inside you. She distributes spiritual gifts and anoints you for your ministry. She washes and renews you, brings unity to the body. She seals us and sets us free. She quickens us and dwells in us. She speaks to and in and through us. She brings liberty. She transforms us. She cries in our hearts. She enables us to wait. She supplies and gives. She strengthens our spirits. She enables us to obey. She dispenses God's love into our hearts. She teaches us. She gives us joy. And she guarantees our future resurrection. It's actually quite a life, this life, your life in God's life, your life as a beloved child of God, your life in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what makes the dream of God come true for you and for all of us together.
It all starts. It all starts when she comes down upon you in baptism. And thanks be to God, it never ends. Let the people say, Amen.